Welcome to the Tuesday Review. Um, I'm Nathan on the board, as always, joined by James, Callum, and Alum in the studio this week as well. How are you going, guys? Alum's back. back. Uh, Alum's back. Alum's back, back, back again. again. Okay, no. no. Um, <laughs> I do not approve of the Slim Shady. Um, uh, this week we're talking about... It's a big one. Uh, Dune. Dune, yeah. I, I've said before, you know, our, our podcast is not unique. There's many podcasts like it. However, we have the spiciest hot takes. Oh, we have Alan. And this week, uh, we yeah. also have Alan, which, you know, always helps. But I think this week is going to be extra spicy. That spice is melange because we're doing dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Pretty about good. the spice. Yeah. It's, and <laughs> sand irritates us. Yeah. It gets everywhere. Although, yeah, this, mo- this movie like has sand. some nice sand. Anakin does no. not approve. <laughs> I approve of the sand in the movie, but Anakin does not. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we s- finally it came out in Australia. It's been out over a month overseas. Yeah, it's been Plus, on, on streaming services, if it's, you live in countries yeah. that don't use binge. So, yet again, uh, studios have shown they have no idea how to release and distribute movies and in the 21st wonder, century. And they wonder why movies get pirated. Yeah. When in some countries, it's streaming for free included with your subscription. Yeah, months and it, beforehand. Months before other mo- countries. Get it that, only in cinemas. during, yeah. Still during a pandemic. Leaving well, people with yeah, literally right. no I mean, way to see the movie yeah. other than downloading it illegally. Yeah, yeah I mean... I because smarts. <laughs> I, I, I'm lucky enough to uh, have been able to see it before it came out the movies. Uh, obviously, being professional movie reviewers, we get opportunities. <laughs> but no, <I'm> <laughs> anyway, but uh, it was nice to see the movie in a movie theater because oh, the, um, this is the, the the sound design. The best thing about the movie is like you have to see it on the big screen. Yeah, and also the sound design just isn't yeah, there. If visually, you're in, like, if you're watching it at home, yeah. you miss something with the sound design. Oh, you do, so yeah. it's nice to see the movies yeah. finally. Yeah, if you can go out and see at the movies, like that's. Like it's yeah. a good cinema experience. Look, there are some movies that like they go to they go to streaming and pictures at the same movies cinemas at the same time, and I'm like, oh, I could just watch that at home. Yeah. Like the little things, I think was one of them that came out fairly recently that debuted in like cinemas and streaming at the same time. Yeah, you could leave that for streaming. Yeah, but like a movie like Dune, yeah, you have to see it on the big screen. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean. I think I mean I don't know if people know at this point, but I mean Dune is. By Frank Herbert, the original novel yeah, is one of the science fiction yeah, one of the most influential sci-fi novels of all time. We wouldn't have Star Wars without Dune. Um, it is yeah, like one of influenced Star Wars. What, it's it's yeah. like it, it's for, for big what, granddaddy it's of like sci-fi. What Lord of the Rings is to fantasy, Dune is to sci-fi. Yeah, basically, yeah. And it's also an almost impossible book to. Adapt, adapt so to a movie. Keep trying, and they keep trying. And there was the Jord- uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky's failed attempt, which would have been amazing. Then uh, David Lynch's version, which came out in 1984, which flopped. Um, and then there was a, a mini series in 2000. And it's like every time, it's like it's never, it's never up quite to snuff. Yeah, it's, it's never, never, it's never quite captured the essence. Exactly. So the book, it's interesting because the book came out in 65. Mm. So just think about the state of the world in 1965. Mm. You know. Um, a lot different. Was the Viet- was it the Vietnam War that was yes. raging in 65? Yeah. And then, you know, you get this groundbreaking 
psychedelic sci- like yeah. uh, work of science fiction. And like the interesting thing about Dune is like some of the it's it's an interesting mix between science fiction and fantasy because the political system's feudal. What's interesting about it is that it's not just set 100 years in the future or 200 years. It's set like 10,000 years in the future. Yeah. So it's like it's circled back around to where it's become more like a fantasy thing. Yeah. So you have like you have ships and guns and, you know, all this interesting sci-fi tech. But there's also like you can't use nukes, for example. Yeah. But there's also um, things like, you know, you get like sword fights and knights and spy masters and all these kind of things that are more at home in your... Typical fantasy. The Bene Gesserit are like a witch kind yeah, of. Yeah, I like, but I like, I like the ways that they use, they implement these, he implements these, we'll say, fantasy concepts, for lack of a better term, mm. in the science fiction world too. Yeah. Because it's still all grounded in science fiction. Yeah. It's he, like, it, yeah. it's not just, oh, there's magic. It's like, there's a reason that they yeah. have these abilities is because they've been trained and they've been breeding yeah. people to. This, yeah. It's, yeah, it's genetic all, traits. It's all and, grounded yeah. in some sort of science, or yeah. science fiction. So the, the the whole backstory to to this film is that the Bene Gesserit witches have been for millennia trying to breed like a kind of superhuman figure. They call Quizats yeah. Hederak. Yeah, I, I like <laughs> it's that. a hard one. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like yeah, so some that, sort of messiah. Yeah, a messianic figure designed to unite the universe. Yeah. And the whole point of the story is this could potentially be Paul, the central figure of the story. Yeah. Um, I suppose we should quickly circle back to... Because one of the things I want to do... There are a few points of comparison uh, to David Lynch's Dune because Mm. David Lynch's Dune was a full-length movie which covered the entire story of the first Dune novel. Yeah. Whereas this film by Denis Villeneuve... Well, is only the first half of the book, that's, kinda. Yeah, that's a good point that I want to bring up, is that it's going to be hard to review this movie because technically it's only half a movie. That's right. They only adapted the first half of the first yeah. novel and then there's a part two coming out in a couple of years, yeah. yeah, which will finish off. So it's like the the movie doesn't really have an ending. It just kind of stops halfway through yeah. and then in a couple of years they'll finish off the story. It's not even like it chapter it chapter one where it kind of had a resolution. Yeah. Or like Kill Bill was one movie cut into two, but Kill Bill one kind of had a resolution. This it's is just like a straight. Cut. Do, yeah, Dune yeah. twenty twenty one. It just kind of ends, and you're yeah. like, what? Yeah. So. So it was a very it's it was a very hard. bold decision. Yeah, especially because there was no guarantee that they were going to make a second one, which is. Weird. You know, weird. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's like we kind of have to mention it's going to be hard to review this movie until the second part comes out. Yeah. But we'll, we'll do our best to to talk about what this movie does well, do. We, yeah, we've got a bit to discuss. Another, another thing that's going to make this movie hard to review is the fact that at least Callum and I are very biased. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've both read the first three novels... Um, like the Paul arc, kind of. Yeah. Um, like, personally, I'm a big fan of the David Lynch version, even Me though too, it's yeah. not a great adaptation. Um, I also love the the 2000 miniseries, even though it's very... It was made in 2000, like, sci-fi channels. Like, the production is pretty terrible. Um, there's not a lot of budget behind it. But the adaptation itself is, is quite good. Um, so, Lee, I'm like big Dune fan. Um, so, it's going to, like, we're coming at it from a different... A fanboy angle. Yeah. 
But also, like, I was trying to give the movie the benefit of the doubt. Um, well, Denis uh, a vocal fan of the books, and that's why... Yeah. Uh, so, the, the inter- interesting fact about the production is apparently they were just working on concept design and, like, things like that for six months before they started filming. Oh, this well, movie would have yeah, yeah, this movie would have had a um, long pre-production. Uh, apparently, he he knew he had to use CGI because it's a fan, science, science fiction yeah. movie. But he wanted to make it as seamless as possible and he wanted to use as many props well, as he could. Well, it looked like... I said to James when watching, I'm like, it looks like there's a lot of miniatures. Yeah. yeah the, the only... The, there's only like... I was paying attention because it's like... The, since this was the second time I'd seen it... <laughs> you were paying that much attention. No. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, but I'm, I'm like focusing on things like... I was like looking at the CG to see, you know, some of it looked a bit rubbery or whatever. Yeah. But there's only one part of the film where there's like green screen involved and like that. There, I mean, there's but, a lot of green screen involved, but there's no, you're talking about noticeable. Yeah. 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 I'm like, and so there's, it's there's, a very well yeah. done production in it, terms of like visually designed. Denis, Denis Villeneuve, I think he pronounces it, but he, as a director, he's one of the only directors like Nolan who uses mostly practical effects. Yeah. And in a movie like this, which such with such crazy things going on and and such scale, um, he does a great job of yeah. making things feel real using a lot of practical effects. And yet, the CGI that is there is mostly pretty great. Yeah. Which you know, if you've heard any of our other reviews, knows <laughs> you know that that's almost never the case anymore. Yeah, yeah, there was no really bad CG in this movie that we could tell. Yeah, oh, there's a couple of dodgy bits, but yeah, nothing really. And it, like, the best thing you can say about this movie is visually, it's very Stunning. impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the well, he's vi- always been a great. He's always been great visually. He's always yeah. been a great filmmaker. So that was never in doubt. No, the visual and the audio design of this movie is impeccable. Although I will say I didn't like the score very much. I, I think it's an interesting score, but I think they should have leaned into I the think, more psychedelic uh, kind of. I think thing. Hans, like Hans Zimmer, who who worked with Denis on Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and that movie I didn't like the score either because it was just purely like atmospheric and like just percussive blasts and loud Brahm noises. Yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of like, well, the original Blade Runner is known for this amazing kind of synthy, Yeah. Uh, you know, Futuristic soundtrack. Yeah. Sound, yeah. And then you're just kind of... And I'm like, okay, I know you're going for a thing. And I think now he's just doing that again. But rather than cyberpunk, it's more like a space opera kind of thing. Wailing, so lots of wailing. It's just like yeah. lots of like Arabic kind of sounding Wales wailing and, and like... Uh, more Brahm, and I'm just it kind of got boring and repetitive, especially once you once you've heard the fir- the once you've heard that specific type of whale the first couple of yeah. times, it loses that exactly. That especially edge to it. and there are moments where it's like it could have been impactful, but you've heard it like seven times in the previous, you know, yeah. half an hour. <laughs> Anytime Paul does something, ah! yeah, <laughs> um, I someone didn't... looks off screen. Ah! Yeah, <laughs> I did like the um, the sound effects that um, played when um, Paul failed to use the voice and he kind of failed and it oh, was sort yeah. of like there was something so, different so like one thing I really love about the Lynch version is the the voice like the Bene Gesserit kind of way of like controlling people using like pitching your voice in a certain way in the Lynch version it has this cool like double tone thing where it's like 
it's like you can hear multiple voices of yeah. different of differing volumes and it's really cool um and in this movie i didn't like it as much because it's more like just like a, a, a supernatural growl yeah but what i did like in the cinema is like that that bass that you feel when they use the voice it kind yeah. of punches you in the chest with yeah. the bass so it does give that sense of like oh this is a power, power that yeah. can yeah infiltrate your mind and control you I think penetrates. Would, yeah. yeah. Like there were certain scenes where I feel like I felt that effect more than other scenes where they're just yeah. like kind of like yelling. And Actually, it's so, like, yeah. I think the last time they use the voice is just they like Rebecca, um, Rebecca Ferguson's character, Jessica is just kind of screeching in a supernatural yeah, voice. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, they kind of lost me there. So, some of it's like really, as you said, it's really good and like yeah. the bassy and kind of like almost muffled. Like some of it, it's like not muffled, but like, um, especially like the first time, yeah. it's like there's that delay. Yeah. Oh, that was a really cool, like, spatial effect. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, by the end of it, it was just kind of like loud, yeah. sort of yeah, semi demonic, sort of screeching. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The sound design's really awesome in this film. I actually said to uh, Alan when we were watching the movie, there's a scene when the head of the Bene Gesserit Order comes to visit on um, Arrakis. Caladan. Caladan, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um,. And it's raining. Yeah. And, like, I know that there's 3D audio in a lot of films, but mm. it's not always that noticeable. But I noticed the rain you could hear from the speakers in, like, all directions yeah. around. And you don't always get that type of defined 3D audio from all like, the surrounding like channels. Like, all the Marvel movies have surround sound. Yeah. But it's like, when you're watching it, it's just loud noises. You yeah. don't really notice. Whereas this movie... I could really hear the rain yeah. from the surrounding channels. And it's I well thought designed. Was, the sound design is... Really interesting, yeah. yeah. I think that, like, that's... Before we start really crapping on the movie, which we all enjoyed, yeah, but have you know problems. We with, have to break it down. We'll, it's we'll like, have to. But before that, I think the best thing you can say is just the visuals and the sound. Top, Pro pretty pre top notch. Production wise, yeah, production wise, it's good. Yeah, you can feel the Denis love. He knows. Yeah, he knows. He knows what he's doing in terms of that when it comes to filmmaking. Like for whatever faults we might find think, with this film, he does love the property and yes. I think you can feel that. Yeah. Like even he, he definitely is trying to cherish the Even when he stumbles it. in the adaptation, you can tell he has love for the yeah. book. Um, yeah, just the use of practical effects, the designs of things mm. like for the some most of the part. Um, the ornithopters. Yeah, the ornithopters the are great. Like there's a scene where Paul and is it Duncan or Jessica, they go into an ornithopter. Yeah. Um, and it's like, you can tell they built one, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just a shell When they got in the storm. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just a shell of a, a copter or whatever. But you yeah. can tell they're like, it's there. It's yeah, not yeah. just see. It's not just they, like a door and the rest is CG. Yeah, they do a really good job. Oh, it might be CG, but they've done it really well. I don't know. Well, when they take yeah. off, it's CG. They did build ornithopters to scale. Yeah, and what's great is when they are flying, it's like they they used helicopters to blow up the dust. So that then they yeah. just replace the helicopters with CGI, so it looks like a real Take thing off. taking yeah. off. It's just, yeah, visually it's very well done, design-wise, costume design and sets. It does have that Denis Villeneuve like sparseness to it, yeah. which I can take or leave, but it is really nice. Um, I think the best thing visually is the scale. Yeah, Dune is always about. Things like it's, the ships are huge, yeah, the planets it, are huge, yeah. the the galaxy is gigantic. Is, is supposed yeah. to have it, it's it's bigger than Star Wars's galaxy. Like there's trillions of planets that are 
it's hard to get, this. especially with filmmaking, it's hard to get scale right. Yeah. Like yeah, in terms of sizes of ships and mm. sizes of this. And like, they get that right in this movie. Like the, yeah. we'll say the, We'll say the uh, we'll say the, the stations that are like are outside the planet. And the space, the, 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 yeah, the, the guild ships, the guild yeah. ships. They're absolutely humongous. Yeah, yeah. And they're like they dwarf anything you can think of. And I think, the, and you just see tiny little ant-like ships that are really yeah. massive. Yeah, and they sort of. You see, that's the great thing is that you see Paul and his family get on this giant star cruiser. Yeah, bigger than anything you've seen in like a Star Wars movie. And it takes off, and then it gets to the guild ship, and it's, and it's just like a, a tiny dust, little speck. speck of dust. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I that's, think that, that that I think that's one interesting thing that uh, separates Denise from movie from David Lynch's. David well, David Lynch, Lynch does have that scale as well. It's just yeah. not as well, huge, and obviously he didn't have CGI, which makes it even more impressive what they did with models and matte paintings. And well, what I was going to say is that the, the interesting thing about Lynch's movie is the amount that he actually shows the audience about the space and guild. And like the people in the yeah. tanks and that type of thing, he doesn't demystify it, but he in, shows. So Lynch's version is a very creative, imaginative interpretation on yeah. the book, but he kind of shows his vision for what this all this would look like. Yeah. Whereas Denis, he doesn't really show the space and guild. He doesn't really show space flight. Like he, that's he, it's better in our imagination that it remained mysterious I, for now. I'm kind of on the fence of that because on the one hand, he's being true to the original novel by not showing the navigator and not showing yeah. the travel. But on the other hand, I think one thing I love about Lynch's version is he took the navigator who uh, who debuts in the second novel and showed how he traveled through space, how he, f- he folded space and time or yeah. navigated. Um, and it's a really great scene. And I understand why Denis didn't put that in there, but I think it would have been cool to have because when they in the novel when they get on the ship, Paul is like, "Oh, I wonder where the navigator is," and and I think um, Hawat is like, "Oh, no one's ever seen a navigator." Yeah. Like they're mysterious, and he kind yeah. of explains to Paul, and I, like I would have liked a scene like that where they explain the mysteriousness. Yeah. But then again, it's like, do you want that exposition dump at the start? Uh, of the you movie? don't need to talk to him. He's just high on spice the entire time. Like <laughs> yeah. he doesn't speak your language. Hey, they're drinking <laughs> and driving. They shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. They're doing drugs and driving. But well, I thought it's a future like in Futurama, how robots need to be a certain level of drunk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like the, nav- think... the navigator's like, he doesn't know you're here, man. He's yeah. spaced out somewhere. <laughs> I assume that the, the movie opens in a really interesting way. It opens with a quote from a character and it's like a, like a dreamy kind of non Should we announce voice. we haven't really spoiled anything yet? No, Spo- spoilers for June. I assumed that that was the navigator to uh, narrating to the audience at the very start. You remember it has the black screen and then it comes up with the text something about oh, dreams. Yeah, because I that, think that's just taken from the novel. I don't remember, but it's spoken in a really uh, interesting way. Yeah, and I'm like maybe that's because uh, I thought to myself the first time I saw it, I'm like, wonder if that's like the navigator. Yeah, but see that that was weird too because it has that bit that quote within that alien language, and then it cuts to the WB logo. Yeah, and I was like, hang on, th- has the movie started or not? We're still doing opening like studio yeah. logos. And as said, <laughs> James, they missed the opportunity to have like a desert planet when the is it universal? Oh, when the universal oh, thing. Yeah. I was like, they, why didn't they they miss the opportunity to turn the Earth into a desert planet? Anyway, yeah. but. <laughs> Like when they do show the space travel, I didn't like how they he, they get on the ship and then it cuts to they're at Arrakis. Yeah, and I was like, you had a good opportunity to do almost the exact same thing you did with that cut, 
but also show how space travel works in this universe where you travel without moving. Yeah. So I think it would have been cool if there was a shot of Caladan, Paul's home world, with the big guild ship floating above it in space, and then snap cut, and it's all of a sudden, it's the planet yeah. Arrakis, Dune. Maybe the, and the ship guild warps ship, a little or something. Yeah, it wobbles, and, but the ship had, hasn't moved. And the planet, all the stars are different. I thought that would have been cool. And you could even have a line of dialogue of like they fold space without. So you want to see the warp drive in action? You could even but use without, that strange... like, But like I said, without showing the whole Lynch thing, because I know D- Denis wanted to stay true to the yeah. novel. So you don't have to go the full thing of showing the navigator and the folding of space. You could even do the strange alien dialogue to be like, I fold space. or No, or no, you don't even you know. do that. But yeah, yeah. But I think also this is another thing in terms of the adaptation, which maybe we'll talk about a bit later, is that Paul is the perfect character because he's young and naive and curious. And so the whole first book or the f- the first half of the first book is him learning from his teachers. Um, and the movie tries to do that and it does that. It does the minimum of that, of having exposition and characters explain thing. And he watches those hologram, educational holograms. Which is really cool. Yeah, which are really cool. But I feel like, like you don't really get... Uh, like if you I feel like after watching the movie I was like if you haven't read the book I feel like you'd yeah. still be kind of lost but the problem is that a lot of the especially I should say mostly Paul scenes they're very introspective so a lot yeah. a lot of Dune is about the characters internal I mean, journeys as well as what they actually do in the world and I was saying to Alan there's a scene uh, spoilers for um, Dune part one and Dune part two I guess uh, potentially Dune part two spoilers yeah um, there's a scene uh, after they arrive on Arrakis where Leto and his crew, plus Paul, decide to go and investigate uh, a spice crawler. Yeah. And uh, the issue is that there's a worm approaching because the worms, who are like the dominant creatures on the planet, mm. they sense rhythm, which is what the um, the spice crawlers have generated rhythm yeah. or whatever. And they always come for the trawlers. So the issue is that there's a the helicopter that comes to re- yeah car- carry all. the carry all that comes to rescue the trawler as yeah. they normally do has a broken arm so yeah. it can't pick up the, they can't yeah. pick up the trawler. The problem is that Paul goes on the ground to re- help rescue some of the crew. Yeah. F- and he breathes in a whole bunch of spice. Yeah. And I had to say to Alan, I'm like, what you don't realize is that in the book version. From this point forward till the end of part one of the book, basically, Paul is constantly kind of seeing the future. Almost constantly. Yeah, he's like, his head's like 50 like 50 past, in the real world. Yeah, past, future, and present all happening at the same time. Kind yeah, of thing. and the, the movie doesn't do a good enough job of showing that transformation in Paul. I, yeah, I understand that they want to keep it sort of accessible for people to watch, and, you know, there's only certain things you could do. But Paul does have a lot of dreams and premonitions throughout yeah. the movie. Um, I'll, we'll have to wait till the second part of the movie comes out, but I don't think all of them really were that great or particularly useful. No. Like, yeah, I, I really feel like they undersold it. Like I've, I've seen, I've seen like people call this, like it's a Zendaya perfume commercial because it's just every, <laughs> every time he has a vision, it's just her walk, yeah. slow-mo See, walking across the sand. In the book. Which in the novel is like an important part. Yeah. But he also sees like burning empires and yeah, and, and he, he lots also, of destruction he also, and crazy things yeah. that he actually can't interpret. He, there's also this self 
self-fulfilling prophecy of like he hears the name Moadib and then he chooses that name later on, whereas they don't set that up no, in this movie. The, I, so don't in the, the Fremen, second movie, don't the Fremen choose that for him? No, they give I, him the name Usul, which he oh. also he which he also hears in the premonition, but not yeah. in the movie. I'm like, what are they doing? Because I thought they only started calling him Moadib after he reaches the Sitch. They do, but he chooses that name for himself. Yeah. So, but that's the thing is in the book, they set that up through his visions. Whereas in the movie, the visions, he doesn't ever hear that name. And so in the next part two, he's just going to choose that name and it's going to be, okay, fine. But in the book, it's like, oh, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Whereas like he wouldn't have chosen that name if he hadn't already prophesized it. Yeah. Um, It's not a big deal, but yeah, I feel like they could have... Especially considering the runtime of this movie, which yeah, I was, feel like should have been longer. Yeah, I wouldn't honestly. I wouldn't have minded a four-hour cut because at least yeah. that way they could have included some things it they omitted. Definitely, it definitely needs an extended cut, and like there needs the Lord of the Rings treatment. Yeah, and if there isn't, it's a serious problem because this movie, as it stands, it's not. They it's not a, they they pad it out so much, but yet they omit things yeah, that are so important. Exactly, so, like it's two and a half hours just of the first half of the first book, and yet there's still so much missing. Yeah, so one of the big issues with the film, well, there's two big issues that I can think of off the top of my head. But the first issue is, since it's like a it's a, it's like a medieval political intrigue is like a big part of the first book. Yeah. Um, the issue is once they reach uh, Dune, like. Uh, so the Harkonnens used to own or own in quotation marks. Yeah, they used Rule, to the, they used yeah. to run um, Arrakis. Yeah, which is the only planet in the universe, I believe, yeah. that you can actually harvest spice, which is the most important commodity in the universe. Yeah. So whoever controls can I, Dune, can I just say I feel like out of all the three live action adaptations, this one oddly does the worst job of showing how important spice is yeah i don't know if that was just me personally no yeah you're but right i'm watching the movie and i get to the end of the movie i'm like why does anyone care what spice is like yeah what? that's true they mentioned that it's really important but they don't show yeah. they, they yeah. mentioned it's important for space and if you can't travel through space the economy's in ruins yeah but in the but book it's like there's space tea there's spice tea there's spice biscuits yeah it's like they, everywhere they, they hint yeah they hint at it in the movie yeah. but like i feel like they, yeah, they don't show it really they didn't do a good job it's like really yeah spice is important now here's this yeah and now yeah. here's the movie it's like wait wait wait, wait. so whoever controls uh what's the quote Whoever controls spice controls the universe, yeah. or whatever. Um, so the Harkonnens are very wealthy, very powerful individuals. Um, the emperor, the Padishah, yeah, emperor Shaddam the uh, Fourth. That's it. He decides to get the Atreides family to run, yeah, uh, Dune instead of the Harkonnens, and the Harkonnens are like, oh no, that's not very good. And then the big bad Harkonnens like, well, maybe yeah. it's a curse or whatever. Um, I can't like, remember uh, so his name. Um, Baron. Baron. Yeah, the Baron Harkonnen. I yeah. can't remember his like normal name. Vladimir. Yeah, that's the. They never yeah. say that in the movie though. Um. So I mean, here's the thing, right? The reason Dune is such a hard novel to adapt is because most of the movie is political injury, yeah. intrigue, strategy, uh, internal monologues, philosophy. You yeah. know, all that kind of stuff. So you've got the other live-action adaptations, which obviously have to cut stuff down and simplify things and use narration and so on. And then you get this version and people, myself included, are like, finally, someone can do it properly. At the end of this movie, I know it's only the first half, I was like, 
they didn't do it justice. They well, cut out all the political yeah, intrigue. What I was, yeah, they that's cut what I was going to get to. They cut out all the philosophy of it all. So the, the issue is that the Harkonnens have a backup plan because yeah. they want to they want to ruin the House of Trades. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a feud the whole, between houses. Yeah, there's a House whole uh, moustache villain twirling stuff yeah. that goes on. So, but the issue is that they have an assassin in place yeah. who turns out to be the doctor of uh, House Atreides. Now, in the book, and I don't know about the Lynch version because I haven't seen it in a while, yeah. but in the book, that he has a whole backstory where his wife is being captured and yeah. they make a deal that he can kind of, you know, go on to his proper life yeah. with his wife if he sabotages the Atreides. They hinted that to like one piece of dialogue. Yeah, he tells Leto when he betrays him. That's yeah, why he's and then doing the ha- Baron Harkonnen is like, "Oh, you can be with your wife in death or yeah, whatever," they, and then he they, kills him. They did. They did shoot the scene where he talks to Jessica yeah. about his wife, and they cut it. And I was saying, I think they cut it because they didn't want to hint to the audience that he was the traitor. Yeah, but I'm like, he's only in a couple of scenes, and he doesn't he's really not, do yeah. anything. They need to flesh him out. And, uh, and I, I th- feel like, yeah, there are so many characters in this movie where I'm like, they need to just be fleshed out. And if you can't do that in the runtime of just the first half of the first book, it should have been yeah. a series. I agree. Yeah, it yeah. needed to be like a HBO miniseries. Yeah, but they haven't got the balls to be like, all right, we're going to make a series that's going to cost that amount of money as well. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I could go yeah. on so many tangents. Let's kind of like I'll finish up on just a couple more things that I liked about the movie before we because I th- I think after this we're gonna fully delve into the problems I have. Like I said, scale. I think the the yeah. way the worm is shown, how big huge. it is. Sca- yeah. Scale is this movie's biggest strength. Yeah, I I love the, the how you know how huge the worm is. Um, I loved the use of diff- different languages. Even yep. though I had no idea exactly what people well, were, they don't read language. in English, which is excellent. Yeah, so I like that because language is a very, very important part of the book. Yeah, and I like that even though the movie doesn't really get time to explain things, it's there and it, it well, feel it, it builds the world. What makes Dune such an interesting story? And I understand that. So, in in the book. When I read the book, I imagined most of the Fremen as being of Middle Eastern appearance. Yeah. Because I always describe the book as a post-Islamic Middle Eastern fairy tale. Because the religion in the book has its roots in Islam, but it also has its roots in like more like other Abrahamic religions. The thing with Dune, the novel, is it's so far in the future and it's so well constructed and uh, researched by Frank Herbert, the author, that it's like... Although the the Fremen, the the natives of Arrakis, do have like a Islamic kind of vibe to them, yeah, um, it's been so many centuries. That the cultures change. Islam doesn't really yeah. exist, and there are different. That all the religions have kind of merged and then uh, separated you the, again. You get the Orange Catholic is like the oh, yeah, Orange Catholic Bible, and you like get the, kind of thing. the Zen Sunni, yeah, which is like I guess a combination of Buddhism and Sunni Islam. Well, like, the interesting thing is like so I'm um, they're like. The Fremen have interesting cultural Middle Eastern influences. So, like yeah. for example, they celebrate Ramadan, but yeah. not like the moon cycle Ramadan, not like the like the other religious uh, yeah. festivals associated with it. Yeah. So you're reading the book, and they drop all these interesting words, mm. and there's like little tidbits of world building that he like laces through the books. Yeah, they don't do a good job of showing that. 
And no. I understand why they've but kind we of... We might get more so, of that when... Yeah, so well, no, what I was going to say is only... they've kind of diversified the Fremen a whole lot more yeah. than no, it is I, in the I, books. We might it's... get more of that now where we're at a point in the story yeah, where it, we get to it, see more of the Fremen it's... community. No, so the, 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 the thing, keep in mind, it's been a while since I read the book, but the Fremen were, in the book, kind of homogenous because they were an insular community yeah. of people. They didn't readily accept outsiders. And so that's what I mean. I'm yeah, like, but the homogeneity it, of culture isn't a problem. No, no. My, my, so, my, my point isn't that it's bad, just that it's a bit different. They're handling the Fremen in a different way. I feel like... And I feel it, like it's going to weaken the cultural yeah, elements of it. It's something this movie could have done really well, is like, because in the Lynch version, the Fremen are just like, Americans basically sort of yeah. <laughs> it's just another they're desert people but they're I don't just think like we sat enough with the Fremen to know though yeah so the, I mean that's the thing is the second part will flesh that out but I think this adaptation just in the first part does miss that opportunity of having a race of people who feel like a race of people rather than just a bunch of randoms who are desert people yeah um what I like about the 2000 miniseries is they shot it in Prague, I believe. And so most of the Fremen... A lot Fremen... of good sand in Prague. <laughs> yeah, it's known for its uh, <laughs> Known deserts. for its sand and <laughs> deserts. But um, a, most of the Fremen characters are played by Czech actors. Yeah. So they all have this slight accent. And it doesn't... Like, it, it feels it authentic, adds, it, yeah. yeah. It adds... Some of them have American accents because some of the extras or English yeah, accents, yeah. whatever. But it's like most of the main Fremen and it gives them a sense of like, they're another people because yeah. all of the Atreides sound American or whatever. Yeah. And then you get to this adaptation and it's like, they had the perfect opportunity to make the Fremen seem like Middle Eastern people. Yeah. And like we said, it's so far in the future that like races might not even exist sort of thing. Yeah. But also I feel like there should have been a, uh, one accent. Yeah. And when they cast Javier Bardem, who's Spanish... That could have been the I accent. was like, yeah. that is such a great... He, he plays Stilgar, the Fremen leader, and I was like, that is such a great choice for that character. They should use that, kind of like what they did with Wonder Woman when they cast Gal Gadot, and then all the other Amazonians had her accent. I'm like, yeah. that's a great idea. They should have done that here, where well, all the Fremen yeah. should have sounded with that kind of... Not Spanish accent, but just a slightly different accent. Yeah. Especially because when I'm watching the movie, Javier Bardem seems to be putting on a bit of a inflection in his accent. Like, he already has a thick Spanish accent. He seems to be forcing it in a way that's not natural to his natural speaking voice. So, I think he was playing the character as a fictional, yeah, you know, yeah. race. But everyone else is just American or, or English. Yeah. And so I'm that's, like, that's so the, yeah. it's got the same problem as all the other ad That's one of the weaknesses I had. Like, I, there's nothing wrong with having a diverse cast. No. But I feel like if if you're making a movie where the some of the primary characters are from insular communities, yeah, it's a point of controversy in the books that yeah. Paul and Jessica are even there. Mm. And I'm not like, it's literally a, political, a politically tense thing. Yeah that they have these outsiders joining their communities because it could signal the destruction yeah. of the sitch. Yeah. So you could have multiple sitches where each one, maybe they each have different accents because they're from different parts of the... That's overcomplicating it for the adaptation. But yeah, yeah, as long as you have one... Because we talked about this in, I think, The Witcher or something other, something else, where I'm like, 
diversity is fine and all that. But it has to make sense. It has to make sense. And I think considering most of the Atreides characters are white, then it makes sense that most of the uh, Fremen characters would be Middle Eastern or black, which a lot of them are. But I'm just talking about in terms of accents and cultural like things yeah. to make them feel different. And they, they just feel like a bunch of people who yeah. are dressed the same. They could literally be Atreides who walked off into the desert and became Fremen. Like, there's, there's no sense that they're these ancient yeah. people who have lived in the desert. And that's a and huge... again, the second part will kind of fill and that yeah. in, but it just seems like a missed opportunity. But you get, we get... you get that sense of culture, even when they get to like the when they first land down land on um, Dune. Yeah. There's already that sense of it's an old culture. Yeah, and yeah. You don't that doesn't really come through. You see a whole bunch of people in the in the hot sun, yeah. and then that's it's kind of lame. Yeah. Look, and then that's like your introduction to it all. Maybe we'll go to a quick break before we get too deep into the negatives and what we'd change and fix. Uh, we'll be right back after this quick break. You are back on the Tuesday Review talking everything Dune. We've just uh, shared what we liked about the movie. and Well, uh, I mean, I want to kind of finish off on that because I have a few more positives. Oh, yeah. Um, but just quickly tying into what we were just talking about, about the way they adapt the Fremen uh, on screen. Um Again, the previous two live-action adaptations, they haven't really had the time or the budget yeah. to show Arrakeen, the capital city of Arrakis, yeah. or Dune, um, and to show all the people and the goings-on and the markets the and bustle, stuff. Yeah. Um, there was some shots of it in the miniseries. Uh, Lynch shot some stuff for the movie but cut it out for his movie. This movie... Doesn't have you don't really get to see Arakin at all. There's that shot of like them flying over it, and visually it was really impressive. It but it looked kind of just like a giant factory, yeah. like all the buildings are connected and they're all kind of one mass, which I guess was supposed to show that it's this one big, like mega city. But you didn't uh, really get a sense of that. This is where a lot of Fremen live in yeah. a sort of. Middle Eastern The bizarre. most important spaceport in the uh, galaxy. Yeah. I think yeah. also they might have done that from a perspective of we don't want to have any building. Like the least uh, the, the least amount that people can walk outside, the better. So yeah, like a lot which of is a cool connected. idea, but you never actually see them yeah, they don't walking. Pay it off. There's yeah. no, there's you just no, see it from overhead. Yeah, there's yeah. no scenes of like them walking in the markets under that sort of... Because that makes sense, but... Yeah. And then there are also multiple times where they say, oh, it's so hot, we can't be outside. But then they're just walking around outside, which is kind of dumb. Um, but yeah, just finishing off on the positives. Um, I like, I, I do, Callum, I don't know if this is dumb, but I like the, how they represented the glow globes. Yeah. In, in Dune, you don't just turn on the lights. It's like there are floating orbs of light. Yeah. I liked how they did that. Um I like the finger signaling. Yeah, yeah, the the Atreides yeah. battle language stuff. And I like how they like like we said before with how they use the languages, even though you don't really get a real idea of like what they're speaking when they're speaking it. I do like how they use that a lot. Yeah, like well, it's, it's a big part of the books. Too. Yeah, and like because because we'll talk about very soon how this movie plays it too safe in a lot of ways, but I do like how. There is a lot of subtitles, a lot of different languages, alien languages, 
and a lot of like uh, hand signals with yeah. subtitles. I'm like, good. Like, we don't need to dumb it down for the audience. Too yeah, much. world building. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like we were joking at the start of the show, the sand in this movie is really well done. Yeah, the it way look cheap. The way it rumbles, the way the worm makes it. Uh, makes the sand loose to the yeah. point where it's almost like water. It looks deep enough. And, yeah, yeah, and people start sinking into it. The way the way the vibrates. That is a really well done, really good effects and really good design and research was put into that. Especially for a movie about a desert planet. Yeah. It's such an important part. Um so this is an interesting point, which this 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 point will connect our good and bad. This is both a pro and a con, and okay. I'll see if you guys agree with me. The cast is really great. Pro. Con, the cast is stacked with all these like famous, well-known faces to the point where it's kind of hard to take the movie seriously as a mature adult yeah. film. I, I mean, there's other elements to that point yeah. that are unrelated to the cast, uh, but... It, the, I kind of agree with you. The you cast is stacked. I do. Like, I love Jason Momoa. I think he's really good in this role. But every time he comes on screen, I'm just like, he shouldn't have been cast in this. Look, the only way it could have been worse is if we had The Rock or John Cena playing something. <sighs> <Yeah>. <laughs> would have been Batista like was good in this movie. but Yeah, yeah. but he's, he's the exception because yeah. he's a legit good Yeah, he's a legit good and, and he makes good choices. But, like, he doesn't get a lot to do. You either. know what? The, this makes... It's a hard yeah. thing. So Dune, like, Dune occupies a place in our minds of it's like a book of great severity. Yeah. It's a very serious, very philosophical science fiction masterpiece. But when you attach really big name actors to it, keep in mind this is just an opinion. I don't this is nothing against big movies or big names or whatever. But it kind of lowers it from being like, uh, yeah, a, like an art mean. piece. Yeah. So now it's it's the new Jason Momoa movie. It's, look, Timothy Chalamet's Duke Paul. You know what It's like Timothy Chalamet presents... Chalamet. 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 <laughs> Whatever. Timothy Shamwell. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Tan Cham. Timmy Chan. He presents Dune. You know what I mean? It becomes this whole thing. Like you said, actually, the point I wanted to make about Zendaya is they marketed it so hard. It's like a new Zendaya movie and all that. But uh, she's barely in the film. Like, I understand, like, you have to... The movie costs a lot of money. They have to market it and get people to see it. But, yeah, it's like watching the movie, they were kind of playing it so safe yeah. and marketing... We always we talk about this. If you make a movie for everyone, you make a movie for no one. Yeah, that's right. Also, it, it's the movie weirdly strikes a tone of being very dark and mature, yeah. but also being complete, almost completely bloodless. This movie yeah. is so PG-13, it, it physically like, hurt It's me. like, don't get me wrong, there's scenes caused, with blood, it, right? It's lack of violence caused me violence. Because <laughs> I was just sitting like, in my seat going yeah. like, there is no blood, there is no... I, I want to see... Uh, it feels like there's two cuts of this movie. And they've sort of given us a middle road, right? Because there's scenes where there's like a hand covered in dripping blood. There's yeah, but still that's shots so, with like that's blood so on the... vague. It's, it's, it's vague, but there's scenes of like blood on the wall and like yeah. blood on the walls and like this violent scene. And I'm like, do they just remove a lot of the... There could have been a lot... No, I, I feel like we've talked about this many times before where the the vision is compromised at the script stage, before the, before the script stage. It's like they know they're not going to make this giant... Yeah, blockbuster sci-fi movie, 
you have if, to if write they can it only yeah. if they can only market it you have to, to adults, write like it they're not going to make any money you have to write it in a certain way that almost guarantees you the funding yeah. you're going to need but it's like the thing with dune is although it's not a it's not an extremely violent uh book it's very heavy it's still yeah it's st- it's very about the politics about the social aspects yeah. about the religion and so on and, and so it's like you can't make this into a big blockbuster sci-fi action movie. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, as we'll discuss, it's like the adaptation falls flat because even though Denis Villeneuve like loves the source material and this was, you know, the one opportunity that everyone's been like, oh my God, this is going to be finally the best, you know, oh. Dune adaptation. It falls flat because... He's trying to make this big epic sci-fi movie yeah. and he can't really include the things that make Dune what it is. The politics, the intrigue, the you adult-oriented know, material. I remember before the first trailer dropped, there was a lot of discussion about the movie like behind the scenes. Hmm. And they talked about the... So in the Dune universe, there was a thing called the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah. So the backstory to this is essentially man-created AI... AI goes bad, yeah. man has to wage war against AI, and that's why computers are essentially banned. Yeah. So you human you have human computers yeah, now. The um, yeah. So uh, there was a rumor that they were going to refer to it in the movie, the new movies, as the Butlerian Crusade. Well, no, no, no. So the Butlerian Jihad in the books is an ancient backstory. Like it takes yeah, place yeah, thousands yeah. of years in the past. So the it would make sense for the movie not to sort of dwell on that at all but the 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 future war that paul sees which is a very important part of the book and uh, an important part of the movie it's this holy war where the fremen spread out across the galaxy and take it over for to to install paul on the uh, imperial throne now that's called that's also called a jihad which fits into the whole islamic uh, middle eastern aspects of the book um now when the trailer came out uh paul in a voiceover says something like there's going to be a crusade or something like that and that's the first that's when we knew this was going to be the safe child child like friend version um yeah and yeah like you can't make a movie like you can't make a movie like this and start sanitizing yeah. it to well, a it's point where you're afraid to use certain words. Especially considering that um, this is something that they'll probably delve into more closely in the second part. Hmm. But Paul is, in terms of history, he's not considered a nice guy. Yeah, which, um, like, for the first book, you don't have to necessarily worry about that yeah. because it's not till the second book when the jihad actually happens yeah. but in the first book and in this movie they he does have visions yeah, of the, he knows the it's, war he that knows is what's, coming he knows and it's it, going to be bad and that's a scene I did like in this movie where he starts freaking out and he's like there's going to be blood You've in the made, turned me into a monster and he or yells at his mother like you turned me into I'm like that's a great scene I don't want to be space Hitler <laughs> but it's like when it's so the movie's so bloodless and obviously has some restrictions in terms of budget when you when you do see those visions, they're not particularly grand. Yeah. I mean, there is that shot of him on Caladan overlooking his soldiers, which is pretty cool. But the actual fighting when he's in that gold suit, it was really cheesy yeah. and sanitized. You know, I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. 
it would have been so much cooler to display Paul's actual powers when he matures into them. Yeah. That on the battlefield, he not even wear a suit because he knows where everyone's going to be ahead of time. That would be interesting. So He's the, the only one not in armor. Yeah. So the thing about Paul Atreides uh, and the the Messiah he becomes is that he more or less can read the future perfectly fine. Yeah. And that's his big power, as well as the voice, like all the other Bene Gesserit. Yeah. He's like the male Bene Gesserit, plus he can look into the future almost yeah. perfectly. Yeah. So that would be an interesting way to highlight see, his his abilities, because yeah. they don't really do but that see, this that's, much in that's the film. That's the thing, is like this movie, again, it fails in the adaptation. It, it, it had the perfect opportunity to be the Dune adaptation. Yeah. And, but at the end of the day, this Dune is so hard to adapt... It needed to be a series. Yeah. And the movie we get is fine, but it's lacking so much in terms of characters and that political intrigue and so on that it's like, well, it's not Dune anymore. Yeah. It's, it's you know, like it, it, it's such a big part of what makes, because a lot of what the novel, what, what is good about the novel is the, is the uh, the internalization, the politics, yeah. the whatever? I keep repeating myself, but it's like so. If you make the movie and that's gone, what have you got? You've got just yeah. a generic plot of like guy gets betrayed, has yeah. to run, escape, and default join. default messiah science yeah, fiction story. He has to join the, yeah. the 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 bad guys and uh, not bad guys, but you know has to has to go native and and then I'm overthrow like, the yeah. And I'm watching the movie, being a big fan of the novel and the previous uh, versions. And I'm like, well, I understand what's going on. I can see where this is going. But if you're just a Joe Blow in the audience, like, it's a very... Yeah. And it's a, not a very uh, interesting, film. interesting movie. And the it's fact that... Plot a lot, point, plot point, plot A lot point. of the stuff that, that they're setting up isn't going to get paid off until 2023. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, okay, the payoffs might be awesome in yeah. 2023. Yeah. But we're in 2021. Exactly. And even even if those things pay off... This first half, it's like, well, is this just going to be the first half you kind of have to sit through to get to the good yeah. stuff? And especially when you consider that Denis seems to really want to take his time with the material, yeah, right? Because it's a long movie and it's like, you know, just half the book or whatever. Yeah. There's still a lot to get through. So is he, what kind of sacrifices are we going to see in terms of the script exactly. for the second half? Well, I mean, this is what I was talking to you when we saw the movie and the character... Uh, Peter DeVries he's, he's wasted in this movie because he's like a he's, he's a, like a real nasty assassin yeah so so the Harkonnen have Peter as their their mentat yeah whereas uh, Thufa Hawat is the Atreides yeah. mentat I did like how they represent the mentat computing abilities where his eyes roll back and yeah. I was like oh that's an interesting way but both those characters aren't really particularly used well yeah no yeah. and i again like it's it's the adaptation they don't have the time to flesh out these characters and so it ends up being similar to the other adaptations where it's like well those characters weren't as fleshed out there either but at least in like the lynch version they had personality yeah the the, the big hair and, yeah and the, the interesting like, way peter is a real nasty piece of work yeah and in this movie you get david desmalkian who's great but he just stands around and like does a couple of he's basically a clerk for the baron <laughs> like yeah. he might as well be carrying a clipboard you know yeah like he's not nasty or there's no and there's no strategy one of the one of the problems we have with this movie 
is in the book and maybe not in the Lynch version, uh, uh, maybe a little partially, but especially the, the miniseries, Baron Harkonnen is not just a big, fat, scary, bad guy. He's also like a master strategist yeah. and a politician. And, like, I mean, I look, I completely understand. So, uh, the interesting thing about the Baron is that he's all about excess in all ways. Yeah. So, it's food, it's yeah. wealth, it's power. Yeah. But he also enjoys the company of young boys. Yeah. Now, that's, to me, that Herbert it, did that to make him gross in, yeah. the, in like, the, the he's nauseous He's supposed to be sense. hedonistic to a... To yeah. A, but, like, he represents malice. Yeah. And that doesn't really come across too much in this. this He's obviously a villain, yeah. but making him look ugly this, is not the same this, thing as giving someone exactly. malice. This version, not just with the Baron, but all the other characters, it kind of flattens them. It it, it zaps and, out it the It removes dimensions from them. Yeah. All the characters lack a certain personality. They're all kind of the flat one yeah. note. And the book is written in such a way where it's, I won't say Shakespearean, but it it does have that like everyone does speak I would in these al- kind yeah, of Yeah, I would allow Shakespearean. Yeah, yeah, it's like everyone does speak in these kind of mono not monotone, but you know, like there is a certain way there's of a, there's speaking. A, there's like a little it's like lilting's Reg- it's very regal and old fashioned. Well, it's interesting. So, uh, so the dialogue's very stilted in the book because it's supposed to be this this kind of fairy tale type story and a lot of the dialogue when you say it out loud in 2021, I guess kind of sounds, kind of sounds lame. Yeah. And there's only a couple of times where that type of dialogue is, is yeah. properly used. This, and I personally think it's great. But yeah. I understand that people who I might mean, not be too I under, it, like They make this adaptation. It's supposed to be modern. It's supposed to be for a wide audience. So I understand they use some more, collo- not colloquial, but more modern language. Um, but it's also a risk also, whenever you're whenever you're adapting a book, right? As well, because yeah, things read differently but, than. But, but it's like when you're reading that kind of old way of speaking, it it ties into oh, this is a world I'm being transported to. This is so far in the future that we've kind of circled back, and it's become like a Lord of the Rings kind of the way people speak. Now you've got this movie which modernizes it, and you'd think that would automatically go oh, this is going to be easier to follow, yeah. more interesting. But because you don't have the characterizations you and the internalizations you do in the book, and because the characters in the movie yeah. aren't, they're all very flat and then they don't have a lot of personality. Yeah, the way of speaking doesn't matter because they all end up being kind of flat and samey. So what what I find interesting is like people throw around the term unadaptable all the time for this book. Yeah, only because no one's ever really got it right. But I think that when you take a book that has a great internal exploration part to it, yeah, you need a really talented screenwriter to be able to translate and that. And you need you need a series. You need, I, I was like, or you need an Amazon Prime hundred million dollar esque series. Yeah. Well, not they, even, I mean, they. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Amazon's shows yeah. another time. But um, but like you need the time to breathe. You need the you need the balls to make a. Uh, to make something that is not not for everyone. Yeah. Look, but see, this... Okay, so one more thing. This movie... So, for the last 10, 20 years, like, movies have needed... American movies goes from PG-13 to R. There's no middle ground. And every time a movie comes out, I'm like, they're playing it too safe. They need to... You know, they need to make this a bit more mature, a bit more whatever. 
this is the first movie in a very long time where I'm like, they need a PG-15. Yeah. They need something that's not all the way yeah, R. But a bit but more blood, a bit more of an edge to it. Just a bit. Yeah. Like, this movie was playing it so safe. It was silly, yeah. It was silly, especially for this kind of movie. It's not a kid's book, you know what I mean? No. Like, that's the thing. They're adapting so, an adult's science fiction yeah. novel, and it's a slow... So, it's not like it's, it's like it's an adventure novel. It's a slow burn of yeah. a novel, too. Like, it doesn't even matter that Denis loved the source material, because at the end of the day, he had to play it safe. And yeah. it doesn't matter that he visually brought the world to screen so well because he had to play everything so safe and he had to even even the fact that it's only half the first book he still had to rush things and he still yeah. had to drop things and cut things and i'm like well so this isn't this is nowhere near a definitive adaptation no it's not it's definitely not um, it's just it's, it's a shame because like i mean we all enjoyed the movie to an extent yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. Yeah, it's a good movie. I'll rewatch it when the second I'll part buy it comes on, out. I'll buy it on 4K when yeah. it comes out. I think it, it, it's one of the things where, unfortunately, we can't give a definitive yeah, until reaction the until part. we see the second part. I mean, yeah. unless the second part is amazing, we're going to be left with something that is, yeah. at the end of the day, good, but is also kind of mediocre in its yeah. adaptation. And especially because this is the one that people were waiting for in terms of the adaptation, and I don't think it lives up. No. Yeah. You know, like, this should have been the one. So the problem, like... This should have been the quiz I said. Yeah, this is is not the messiah of Dune Dune adaptation. The problem is that Dune is... is, And I'm not just blowing smoke up its ass. Yeah. Dune is a piece of literature. Mm -hmm. And the problem is literature is, is famously difficult to interpret for the screen. Because, like... You unless know, unless you're unless you're adapting something like a drama, yeah, it's it's really hard because screenwriting is so different to novel writing. Yeah, so you're always gonna every adaptation loses something, mm. but with Dune, there's so much more to lose. Yeah, which is the problem. You lose so much that it's almost not even. So there's the, not look, even a the only way I would to do it anymore. Yeah, so the 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 thing to but, me that's the big problem. Yeah, is they don't highlight how Paul's feeling internally. Yeah. Because Paul, the minute he breathes in that spice, he's feeling afraid, he's concerned, he's freaking out all the time. I'm like, we've David Lynch, the like Lynchian surreal dream sequences are something that really would have helped because it shows that 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 kind of chaos internally Yeah, where you don't know what's going on. Yeah. And we barely get any of that at all. We've run out of time, but we'll pick this conversation up very quick, uh, very soon. Yeah, it's... it has a lot to lose in the adaptation, but I feel like you could still do it. You could still... There's ways to do it. And I'm surprised we haven't talked about Lord of the Rings uh, so far. But I think when we come back, we'll, we'll kind of compare compare the pair. Yeah, um, yeah we're, we're out of time for the live portion, but uh, the podcast will continue normally. And uh, yeah, for everyone... Uh, uh, no one's listening live, but if you are, thanks for listening. And Check out the podcast. Yeah. You're back on the Tuesday Review talking all things June. There's too much sand in the studio at the moment. Yeah. It's, uh, it, the movie is a bit coarse in that way. It's rubbing <laughs> it's us rough. the wrong way. <laughs> so, you know, Look, it's, it's like, hard to get sand out once it gets yeah. wedged in. I mean, it's like I said at the start, it's like we are, or at least I am, very biased. And it's like I enjoyed the movie, but it's like, 
considering the other adaptations, I'm like, this one is just another one. Yeah. It's not the definitive yeah. one. Yeah, that's right. And when we talk about definitive adaptations, we always talk about Lord of the Rings. We've talked about it many times over that's the years. It's not very often the lightning strikes yeah. perfectly. Now, I will say that it did have the it did have the luxury of being the first live action adaptation of Lord of the Rings. So yeah. in that sense, it was lucky because you didn't have anything else to... To hold it up against. Yeah, yeah. except for the animated stuff. Um, whereas Dune is like the third live-action adaptation. So it's like, okay, if if there was no other live-action adaptations and this was the first one, I would probably enjoy it a lot more. But it's not... And you know, it's all the adaptations. A have, lot of the the other adaptations have the same problem that this. Yeah, but this it's funny because a lot of adaptations, um, the other two adaptations, I should say, they do things in a really interesting way. Like there's there's a pro to each of them. Yeah, but I feel like this this movie we're talking about doesn't really have those elements the, the that pro, made the adaptations yeah, great. The either. pro the pro for this new version is probably just the production and the visuals. Yeah, the budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But other than that, it still has the problems of in terms of adaptation that the Lynch version does. Not a, obviously not as as much, and the miniseries obviously had more time to flesh things out, so it was better in terms of adaptation. But the production was lacking because of the budget. Um, but yeah, Light, Lord of the Rings, as we discussed in our reviews, is like was really lightning in a bottle. Like it's hard to explain to people like why they're so special and why that why they'll never happen again. Yeah. And I was trying to think, and and I couldn't really figure it out in my mind, but I'm like, how did they do Fellowship of the Ring justice in three hours, just in the theatrical version, not even talking about the extended? And yet this movie couldn't do in two and a half hours of just the first half of the first book, couldn't yeah. do it justice. Now, they're very different books. Lord of the Rings yeah. and Dune are not, not similar. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I'm like, there's got to be a way, right, to, to adapt because it is an adaptation. So you have to change things. And that's what Peter Jackson did so well. I mean, look, I mean, Dune is more... Lord of the Rings is a very simple story mm. told in a really uh, fancy way. Like mm. like Tolkien knew what he was doing, mm. knew what he was doing. But like there's no... Tolkien doesn't really focus too much on every... Like, you know, the big internal turmoils. Yeah. It does but not all the time. Yeah. So, you know, there's like large sections of traveling, which I suppose is easier to adapt than yeah. someone, you know, having a psychedelic episode. Yeah. So I can understand... Like, Lord of the Rings is not political in any way or there's no yeah. real discussion about religion or society. But I suppose that being said, Denis has an advantage in that he's already seen what's come before. Exactly. He can build off of it where yeah. Peter Jackson had to kind of just make it up as he went it's, along. It's also like, this is the it's an adaptation of the first half of the first book. It's only two and a half hours. I'm like, why isn't it three hours with a four-hour extended cut? Just do the Lord of the Rings treatment and then you, you've you still only got the first half. And so there's no... Like, you don't have to cut anything out. Yeah. Or, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but, again, studios are never going to do that ever again. And so we got really lucky with Lord of the Rings, which is one of the many reasons why it is the definitive adaptation, because they're never going to do anything like that again. No. Yeah. And I think Dune really needed that treatment. If they were going to do a movie and not a series... They needed to do the three-hour 
absolutely um, adaptation with the four-hour extended cut. You would have had to cut a lot of stuff out and streamline things, but uh, you know, it boggles my mind that they didn't just let him have both parts immediately. That they were like, "Well, we'll yeah. wait and we'll wait and see how it's the bizarre. first one." Does. Could you imagine if there was no second part to this? Well, like, I, no one would ever watch it ever again. Like, what's the yeah, point? And it's it's gone, not even a movie. In it, it'd go in the bin. <laughs> It's it's like watching the first half of Fellowship of the Ring and then turning it off. <laughs> yeah, it's like they yeah they made Fellowship of, oh they made Fellowship of the Ring but we can't guarantee you'll see the yeah, end of the but trailer. At least like Fellowship a, of the Ring has an ending. They like, get yeah, to, it's like you know? they, they get to Strider and then the movie ends and that's yeah, it. It, it. You'd be like, what was the point of that? Um, I mean, I guess I, I know that Lion's Head was it Lion's Head. Lions Gate. Lions Gate. They were in financial troubles, and there was this whole thing where if it doesn't do six, if it doesn't do well, we won't actually be able to have any money at all. Yeah. So like they might have folded completely. So there was this whole. But they shot all three movies at the same time, so it's like. Yeah, that... I'm saying that like the in the June the 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 June thing. Yeah. It's like there was some financial uncertainty to begin oh, you're with. Oh, about June. Yeah. Yeah. So I can kind of get it, but at but the it's same like time, why then why only do the why bankroll one? Yeah. Like go to a. Why didn't they go to a different partner? For, for, yeah, for, like we, we talked about this, I think, in last episode, where it's like it's not it's not about making movies, it's not about art, it's not about storytelling, it's, it's about money, and that's understandable in one on one hand, but on the other hand, it's like you can't just make half a movie. Like especially considering that Blade Runner, so Blade Runner, Denise Blade Runner twenty forty nine didn't do well uh, financially. No. It did well critically. A lot of critics loved it. Yeah. Not really us. No. But other critics did. Yeah. Um, But it didn't do well financially. And Denise said it nearly ruined his career and he was lucky. So I guess I can kind of understand some executive being like, I don't know, Denise. They're not going to put, they're not going to go the whole way, but they are going to take a bit of a risk. But um, like we talked about this, it's like they need to take more risks. They have more money than God. Yeah. They, you know. Cut a cut a few million off of one of your crappy animated movies that no one's gonna play. Yeah. Like, Although they make money, I guess. I was so, say, you know, take a few all... million dollars out of Shang Chi because you don't spend it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, I mean, this movie I think costs less than most of the Marvel movies, if not all of the Marvel movies. And I'm like, the budget's on screen here, where it's not on the screen in in yeah. any of those superhero movies. Um, look, in terms of the adaptation, there's so much missing. Like we said, Baron Harkonnen in the book, he's a strategist, he's a politician. Yeah. They remove that. They remove his personality and they just make him a big, scary guy. They yeah. remove his sexuality, which, again, to sanitize it, to make it more safe. They could just make him, they, they could just make him ravishing people. It doesn't even have to include yeah. uh, underage people. It could just but, be just excess yeah you know and, what i mean yeah you he could always be surrounded that's why by they need, that's or why they need the pg-15 you don't have to go all the way with it the yeah. book doesn't go all the way with it it's just hinted yeah that's like right. he has he has this weird incestuous obsession with his young nephew yeah who's not even in the movie which yeah. who's who will be in part two but like i was telling you guys the other night i'm like that's gonna be weird when he just rocks up yeah. and he's like hello uncle and it's gonna feel like a joke and of course in the david lynch version it's played by sting which is a massive oh, yeah, in the metal yeah. bikini yeah the- <laughs> i mean honestly like this is not a joke that scene in that movie amazing amazing it, it like adds adds points over this movie. Yeah. <laughs> this 100%. movie has no fade. That movie has sexy sting fade. Uh, yeah. 10 points to, to <laughs> David Lynch. Absolutely. 
I, like, I, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like also a big part of the Baron's plot is like he's going to get the Emperor's uh, Sadaka, the, the dreaded Imperial soldiers, yeah. who are the best fighters in the galaxy, yeah. in the known universe. And he's going to dress them as Harkonnen soldiers, send them to Arrakis, so that to the other houses, it just looks like a minor squabble between, ha- between yeah. two warring the houses. The Emperor's not favouring. Yeah. yeah. Whereas in reality, it's the Emperor f- trying to get rid of House Atreides because they're becoming too popular. Yeah. Which is a great bit of intrigue. But they don't have time to go in that in the movie. So the Emperor literally just sends Sardaukar, his Sardaukar soldiers to yeah. Arrakis. And I guess the excuse is that they can't get message off world that that's what happened. Yeah. So that the other houses won't go to war with the emperor. And I don't know, like, I know they have to streamline things and, and change things for the adaptation, but you're just losing so much. Yeah, exactly. Like, to the point where it's like, well, what's the point anymore? Yeah. yeah. Um, And it, again, it, it adds into. Like the Baron's intelligence, it's like it's all gone now. He's just a fat guy with resources. <laughs> yeah, no, legit. basically, he's just legit. an evil guy. He's not cu- particularly cunning. No, he's he's, he's just jab of the hut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's the same with with Peter. It's like he's just there. He's just he's just a nasty yeah. guy. And and his yeah. his Raban, the his ne- his other nephew. It's like the beast. Yeah, it's like David Batista's character. He's like he's just there. Looking like, mean. There's no yeah. real great scenes of them conversing or, or strategizing or anything you know, like that. You uh, know, like, and for the one of the wealthiest families in the galaxy, like, none of them look healthy. No. I mean, that's the whole thing is, like, the Harkonnens, you know, this evil. But oh, I'm it's like, obviously they, very they, service level. They're v- evil v- they're Villeneuve, evil. like, took it so yeah. extreme to the point where they're, like, this, they don't even look like evil. They're yeah. sickly looking. You know, for a second, let's just bring up Star Wars. Yeah. You look at the Emperor in the original Star Wars trilogy. Hmm. You don't see him all the time. He's not a constant presence. But you know he's smart and you know he's deadly. Yeah. The way people talk about him, yeah. Yeah, they needed that in this film. They needed that Emperor, the, omin- yeah. the ominous See, they presence. mentioned the Emperor in this movie. But in the yeah. novel, the Emperor is just a politician trying to yeah. save his, his I don't mean, se- I don't seat mean, on the throne. No, he I means mean, Harkonnen. I yeah, I was going to say. No, like, no, no. They should have yeah. given, um, given the Baron I know, that I know what you mean. Feeling. But I'm like, for a, for a standard movie-going audience, when they do show the Emperor and he's just a guy, they're going to be like, so what? Yeah. Now, if you actually had a proper adaptation with the political intrigue and the Game of Thrones chess moving of the chess pieces, yeah. then it makes sense. Yeah. But in this, the way they've made this movie as this kind of big sci-fi action movie, you're gonna you're gonna get to that moment and people are gonna go, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. there he is, yeah. <laughs> like you're gonna, they'll you're, give him some fancy armor or whatever, and that's about yeah. it. Like the way the way the Baron eventually dies in the book, which I won't spoil. In terms of like the overall action blockbuster, is kind of underwhelming. But in the book, it's just so. It makes so much sense, and it it ties into this whole, and it you know leads into the second book and the third book. But it doesn't make sense for a big budget live action movie. So yeah. it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do with the the second, uh, the second part of the the adaptation. They also cut out. We were talking about Doctor Ua before. They cut out his backstory, but more importantly. They cut out the whole traitor subplot. The the in the book, 
the Atreides know there's a traitor yeah. working for the Harkonnens. They don't know who it is. Hawat thinks it's Lady Jessica. And so yeah. there's this whole thing of like, I'm going to get you. Like, yeah, I, know, yeah, yeah. I know your loyalties lie with the Bene Gesserit and not Duke Leto. Yeah. It's this whole thing. And everyone's like, it can't be, can't be Dr. UA because he's got this imperial conditioning. Yeah. Again, the movie doesn't have the time to go into this. It cuts out the banquet scene, which I think was shot but cut out, which they really needed. And so it gets rid of all the interesting political machinations and back and forth. Yeah. And Should have been a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, like we were talking about Eternals a few weeks ago about how, yes, it should have been a TV show, but what we got was quite interesting and was ambitious. And yeah, it didn't perhaps work out, but it was more interesting to watch than Shang-Chi, than Black Widow. This movie, similarly, amazing movie to watch visually, whatever. So different from anything else out right now. So much more in line with what sci-fi movies used to be. Yeah. But still, like, it's lacking so much. One thing I want to add while I while I can still remember it, I'm sorry to derail this no, no, slightly. No. Uh, one of the positives, yeah. I will say, is this movie doesn't have a whole lot of humor. It takes itself seriously. Yeah. And to me, that's a big positive because we live in this age now where all the big movies, all the big sci-fi adventure movies and the fantasy adventure movies, they have to be full of this... Marvel JJ-esque humor. Marvel yeah. humor. Even Star Wars, like, Star Wars... The original Star Wars has humor because of the way characters interact. Yeah, it's the prequels not like a, have no they're not comedy hum- movies. Yeah, the yeah. prequels have no humor because George Lucas can't write uh, dialogue <laughs> at least. Um, the the sequels, the Disney movies, they went full overboard into MCU uh, jokey joke. They became slapstick. That's right. They, they came. They became self parody, and people mistook that as. We're going back to the originals. I'm like, no, "No, you can have humor without people literally slipping on banana peels and (laughs) farting and doing all these things. Your mama jokes in space. And drinking blue milk off some weird alien city. Yeah, that's the thing though. It's like, these movies weren't comedies. They were adventure movies that had humor. Yeah. Whereas big budget movies today have become space comedies or whatever. Because like, like, when you have your mama jokes in space, I'm sorry, you've lost me. Yeah. Uh, this film has none um, of that. Yeah, oh, unless man. you're making a comedy or a space. It could have. Yeah. Yeah. This could have been so bad. Yeah. Especially yeah. with all the the, the low hanging fruit we could have got in June with the wetsuits or whatever they're called. Still suits. Yeah. Still suits. Being like, I'll drink me. Give me some of your water. I'm drinking your what? <laughs> what? Spits the actually, water out. Offends an entire continent. Yeah. Like, I mean, it could have been so much yeah. worse, man. Like there is a bit of humor, like with Jason Momoa and yeah. Josh Bolan, and, and yeah, and like, but yeah, like. Callum and I were talking about this off air one time. It's like, it's good to have an, a movie that's joyless, <laughs> not joyless, but it's like, it's trying, it's trying to be serious. It yeah. takes itself seriously. Well, look, I, um, but it was interesting. So the reason I bring this up is there was a big argument on Twitter as there are, of course, many days, there's yeah. big arguments on Twitter, but th- someone was saying that they hated this film because there was no joy in it. And someone said, don't you think it's good that for yeah. once we have a movie which is trying to have some gravitas? Exactly. And no, of course, not every movie has to take itself seriously. Yeah. But sci- not all science fiction properties science are fiction, joy rides. Yeah, that's why I said, like, this is not a movie like anything else that has come out recently because science fiction now just basically means Star Wars or superhero movies. Yeah. 
you know like, and I, it's um, it's good that this movie is taking itself a bit more seriously is a bit more mature but as we discussed the adaptation lacks and the it's playing it so safe yeah that it ends up it's not, a wasted adaptation exactly anyway. yeah i mean god forbid they try and adapt 1984 today can you imagine that too much politics in my movie. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. I'm like trying to force humor into 1984. Yeah. It's like you don't understand. Um, um, anyway. But yeah, like in terms of adaptation as well, like Lady Jessica is one of the most interesting characters in the book. Yeah. In the Lynch version, she's not particularly interesting, but the casting was good and the, the movie does a good job with it. In the miniseries... Mini Again, adaptation, you can't do all the internalization. You can't do all the Bene Gesserit, like, history and all that. But, like, does a good job. This movie, Rebecca Ferguson, I think, is fantastic. A great choice for Lady Jessica. The movie, I don't know, it deals with her character really weirdly, where she's supposed to be this really smart, sort of uh, loving person. I don't really get that from this She's kind of cold. Yeah. yeah. She's defensive of like, her family, but she's this, cold. This movie doesn't do a good job of explaining why she gave Duke Leto a son instead of a daughter. There's this whole exposition scene in the rain with the Reverend Mother, who's like, you should have had a daughter, you know, you did this. And they don't really get to the fact that she gave Duke Leto a son because she loved him. Yeah. There's only one scene in this movie where they're lying in bed together. And, and he's says, like, I should have married, married you. And that's a good scene. You need to... Way more of that. Yeah. I think one of the problems with this adaptation and the fact that it is only the first half of the first book is that all the stuff before they get to the desert and join the Fremen is pretty good. Yeah. When they finally join the Fremen, it's like, I was bored. And then it ends because it's it's actually supposed to be the midpoint of the movie. Yeah. This is where the movie should get going. Yeah, it's but when it, everything it's starts not, to ramp up a bit. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing Act One, and so the, <laughs> yeah, and so again, it's not fair to judge it because it's really only half a movie. But it's I, th- I think it should have been longer, and they needed more scenes on Caladan. Yeah, look, they as, needed more relationship building between all the characters. They I know more. this is going to sound kind of dumb or mean spirited, but if they didn't want us to judge a movie based on just the first part, they shouldn't have made a standalone movie, which yeah. is just by one. So. You know, if we have to shoot on this film and we kind of are in a yeah. way, they made it that way on purpose. We have to judge it that way. Yeah. We don't really have a choice. Look, yeah, exactly. And and like I said, like when the second part comes out, we will our feelings will change. And if there's an extended edition, sure. But yeah, at, at, at the moment, like just seeing what we got, like it has these problems. Yeah. And I can forgive a lot of them to the point where I, like I enjoyed the movie, but also I was kind of like, you're wasting you're you're wasting this attempt at an adaptation exactly yeah. and you're wasting these visuals and this product this great production on a mediocre adaptation yeah that's right yeah. also like i said earlier like they don't do a good job of explaining why spice is so important and how much of a rare commodity it is yeah and how it's only found there and why the emperor like why the harkonnens are obsessed with like controlling it same with water on Arrakis, water is such a precious commodity. Yeah, yeah. To the, to the point where the Fremen, like, recycle their own their body bodies fluids. water using yeah. the still suits. 
The still suits in the Lynch version. Awesome. Mwah. Iconic. They, Absolutely iconic. They, like, he got it in one. The design yeah. of the still suits in the Lynch version. Perfect. How they should look. Fast forward all these years. They look boring. Boring. They're like motorcycle padding. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> no, now, it sucks. They yeah. suck. Like, I know he doesn't want to just copy uh, the Lynch version. I wouldn't have been mad. I would but, not have been mad at all. I prob- <laughs> like, I would have been like, what's the legality here? Can we just copy them? <laughs> kind yeah. Of thing. yeah, exactly. Um, also, there's that scene where Dr. Kynes explains the still suits. That's a scene in the book and in the previous adaptations that I really like because he actually explains like how the whole thing works, that you yeah. walk and it uses the walking motion of and it pumps and, you know, your sweat and it recycles yeah. it and you can, there's a little catch tube and there's also a nose tube for breathing yeah. and it recycles urine and feces while you're walking and it, like it all... I it's know like a, it's like its own self-contained ecosystem yeah. for, for water. I know in yeah. the movie they didn't want to dump all this on you and I know they wanted to kind of get to the next scene. And the way Dr. Kynes does it in this movie is just like, oh yeah, it recycles your water. Let's move on. You know, and I'm like, they also had an opportunity. You're missing out on what makes Dune special. Yeah. They had an opportunity in that scene as well to highlight Paul's ability to know the future. Because at that point in time, he's already starting to know things. Yeah. So there's a part where that it's like a throwaway line yeah. where she goes to Paul, uh, Liette Kynes says yeah. to Paul, Oh, this is perfect. And he's like, Oh yeah, yeah. it's all right. I know you're, how to you're wearing it in desert fashion. How do you, who told you to do this? And he goes, yeah. Oh, just that's the way yeah. I thought. I'm like, you could have had a like a quick flash scene of him at some point, maybe even when when he's no, all the way back that, on that's line of spice. That that's not necessary yeah. at But all. what I mean is they're gonna to allude he's... to him seeing the future, but unless no, no, you've read no, no. the so, not the future, but unless you've read the book how are you supposed to know that he has an innate intuition for, for all things? No, but that's what's so great about that scene is that it illustrates so much with just saying so little. It's like he's the only one out of the newly arrived Atreides who knows how to put the still suit on just innately. And that's why Dr. Kynes thinks he might be the, the Messiah. And that's why later the yeah, Fremen... He will know accept- your ways as, as he will born to Exactly. Yeah. So that, that, that scene was fine. Although they do downplay it quite a bit. I think they could have maybe played it up a little bit more. Um, also, Gurney doesn't sing. No ballad, no, um, no, what is no it? Um, ballad, ballad, yeah. Yeah, None which apparently they filmed and cut out. And I'm like, why? If there's not an extended version, this is going to be a travesty. You know, they could have had him. They there filmed scenes, all this stuff and then cut where it all out. There's people standing around, right? Yeah. Why couldn't he be in the background strumming away? Yeah. Like, just little bits and pieces that, that let you know that he's a musician, yeah. he sings. Like, honestly, if there's not an extended version, it's going to be such a kick in the ball. Well, like, I'm just doing some Googling here, and apparently uh, this is Denise director's cut. See? That's very See, concerning. Um, Denise yeah. made a mistake. Exactly. Yeah. So, he, he, he loves the book. He tried to adapt it as well as he can, and then he cuts out all the cool stuff and the character stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, so one of the actors, I believe Jason Momoa, said, uh, you know, we need a director's cut. He said, I want to see yeah. a longer version of this movie. Yeah. And Denis responded with, like, well, no, this is what we envisioned. This well, is, there is no short um, extended version. Extended version. Like, see, that, that's just a, release all the footage and we'll do it ourselves. Yeah. For, <laughs> we, people are going to give us the, yeah, give us the 18 hour use, cut and we, pe- we will pe- fix no, it. No, people are going to have to use the bloody uh, deleted scenes off the Blu ray to make their own fan edit and then we're going to have to download that and just <laughs> make the movie properly in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Jesus. One more thing as well. It's like 
we talked about like the characters, you know, the lack of personality and the, how flat they are. And even the Lynch version where he goes really ham with the crazy characters that each have this personality. Um, and, you know, in, in, in changing the adaptation, you get rid of what makes certain characters special like Peter or, or the Baron or, or whoever. Um, and I think there needs to be a level of melodrama to this to this kind of movie. Now, the book is not really melodramatic, but like we said, it's got that Shakespearean element. Yeah. So there is, it is a space opera. Yeah. It's not in a space adventure like Star Wars, but it is a space opera. And the yeah. fact that there are all these key players, these kings and queens, if From you From across the galaxy, yeah. It's this Game of Thrones thing of like, there needs to be some, a bit more theatricality. Not, not to the point where it's camp, but yeah. a bit more. Um, I think Ian McNeese, who plays the Baron in the miniseries, is the best Baron. And unfortunately, doesn't matter how many adaptations they do of Dune in the future. I don't know if you can top that. So this version is so muted yeah. that it's almost like he's almost not a character at all. He's just... Uh, yeah. And so this movie is not very colourful, actually, as well. That's, yeah. that's another, That was one of the things I forgot to mention. Yeah. Dune's movie... Uh, David Lynch's Dune, I should say. Yeah. Um, for all its issues that it has, it pops. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons. I, now, a lot of people, you know, obviously hate Dune's... Uh, Jesus, I'm sorry. A lot Lynch's of people version. hate Lynch's Dune. Yeah. I mean, we love it. Yeah. Because it pops. It has character to yeah. it. This film, for all we, of its, its, its greatness, like yeah. the way it looks, the visuals, the sound design, it's all very just orangey brown. Yeah, like Denis, like he has this sort of, like I said, kind of sparse kind of, um, yeah. you know, visual style. And it works and it looks really nice. But yeah, it does it does lack color. And like yeah. we talk about, a lot of movies now lack color or they they have a lot of color and then they're just, they grade it over with this ugly brown or yeah. whatever. And this movie, I know he's going for a kind of minimal, minimalist thing, yeah. but it does lack a punchy... Yeah. Kind of color, which is a shame. Well, they because they like, didn't want it to be all yellow. They shouldn't have shot it in Mexico. <laughs> well, here's we the thing: know, though, like one of the interesting things about the book is that as the book progresses, you learn that while Dune is a desert planet, it's also full of life. Yeah, and there's lots of color if you can look for it, like the bright, the, well, the blue skies, the orange canyons, the the red sands or whatever. Yeah, and then you know the the wildlife, the, there's plants dotted here well, and I there. I mean, that's that's the thing is like in the book, it, it like we said, like it. it 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 really goes into detail about how uh, rare water is on Arrakis, and that means in terms of wildlife, there's not a lot going on. Yeah. Um, and so it makes sense that this movie doesn't have yeah. that. And the movie, the 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 planet is a desert planet, so it is going to be very samey. But yeah, there's a lack of real punchy uh, colors. Yeah. Um, it's a shame. There's a lot of movies are like that, and like I said, it's it's Villeneuve's style. But yeah, it is a bit of a shame. It's not as bad as uh, you know the Marvel movies, which is so flat or whatever. Yeah. But it it is a shame. Um, so we'll talk about the action scenes now because the worst, I think, the worst part of, of this this movie is the knife, the hand to hand combat, garbage. Just yeah. terrible. Very quick. It's very, uh, it's literally like two standard. people standing in front of each other, like waving their hand, like holding a knife and just waving their hands in front of each other. Has like, Denis 
done I'm not excusing it, but has yeah. he done many movies with like we'll say vigorous hand to hand combat before? I mean Sicario, movies. Sicario, Sicario had great shootouts, but in terms of hand to hand Yeah, like is this just a thing where he's just like, Well well shit, my, I don't know how to do th- this. My <laughs> the- my theory is that he was trying to make it look really fast and futuristic. Yeah. It's it's but one of those things where I think like he has no experience in looks, this. Yeah, it looks like, like two kids playing yeah. with plastic knives just really fast waving in front. It's garbage. Especially because this movie ends on a pivotal fight knife fight scene. Yeah. One of the most important parts of the book yeah. and an important part of the climax of this movie. And I look I'm it's not, just two guys waving their plastic knives in front of I'm each not other. the dune garbage. expert. I'm not the dune expert in the studio, I know the least about it. But well, the way the shields work, right, it's they go for slow movement, penetrates the shields versus yeah. fast movement. That's why ballistics and stuff like that don't work. So when they're, like, hitting each other with these sticks, you think they, sh- they will just get repelled by the shield. Yeah. The combat would have been, might have been a little weirder, but it might have been cooler if it was just, like, really slow, methodical stabs. Well, in the, in the And, like, just trying to the penetrate book, the shields. In the book, because you, do have, you explain it and you don't have to show it visually, they explain that, like, like you, you attack, but when you have the moment opportunity to strike you strike slow yeah so there's this one thing i really like about the book which none of the adaptations have done well is that when he's training with gurney at the start of the film and they're training with the shields and the knives um and gurney shows him like the slow knife penetrates the blade uh the slow blade Blade penetrates penetrates the shield shield. they do that in this movie but his blade is off screen he say, he says, "Hey boy, look down. I've actually got you." Yeah, yeah. And then they cut to the wide, and I'm like, "That's a weird choice." But okay. Then you get to the fight with Jamis, the Fremen guy who challenges Paul. Now, in the book, an important part is what Paul has learned from fighting with Gurney and fighting with Duncan in practicing. Yeah. The slow knife penetrates the slow blade penetrates the shield. So when he's fighting with Jamis in the book... Did the Fremen have shields like that? No, they don't use shields because it attracts the worm. Oh, very good. Yeah. Um, they get... Like, he he's fighting Jamis and, like, he... They mention, like, in the book, I'm pretty sure, that when he finally does get the striking blow, like, the fatal blow on Jamis, he uses the same technique that he was taught when shield fighting, even though they're not it wearing wouldn't shields. It would work as effectively, yeah. No, no, no. It works effectively because that's what he was taught. Yeah. But they're not wearing shields at that time because they're in Fremen combat. So you could have done it a lot quicker, maybe. No, but what I'm saying yeah. is it's that it's that great moment, which you can explain in a book you can't really show visually. Well, you can show visually, but yeah. it's that great moment where he's taken what he's learned and applying it, and applying and, yeah. it here. You can show that visually if they showed Gurney's knife lower. Yeah, and, and then said, you can even you can even copy the framing. Exactly. Yeah. And then when he stabs Jamis, it's like really slowly. It's the same wide shot. And it's the same. And, yeah. It's exactly. Everyone's same. like, "What a killer! He's doing it slow." Yeah. <laughs> and and exactly. And it's kind of like, it's like this, what a monster! It's why is he moment. toying with him? Kind it's of exactly. And they they even say that because he's like, why why like why is he uh, Stilgar says why is he toying with him? He's, and Jessica's like, no, he's, he's never like, killed he's never man. killed anyone. They rush past all this in the yeah. movie. And the worst part of all this is when he does kill Jamis, he doesn't cry, which is such an important yeah. part of the movie. Yeah. Is all the Fremen who are so precious with their water, yeah. is like he's giving water yeah. to the dead. Yeah, That's so unheard of. Paul, I'm pretty sure like Paul balls. 
I mean, like I don't know if he bawls, but, but he like, cries. Yeah, he cries enough that people can like see it. Yeah, and they're like face. touching his tears, and like he give wa- he gives water to the dead. Yeah. Oh, and my that's God. like the moment everything changes. Yeah, they cut that out of the movie, and I'm like, Denny, what are you doing over there, buddy? Are you on the spice yourself? Because yeah, doing no, it. it's well, like, look, it no, is Hollywood. It's, it's literally <laughs> doing lines. Maybe it's spice. <laughs> no, but it's literally the key moment. One of the key moments of the whole book is because that's when everything changes for Paul. It changes yes. the entire trajectory. Of his character. Yes. He, they go from being outsiders who are almost killed by the Fremen to being like... You're like, part of the tribe. They're, they're a part of us now. Also, in the in the novel, and I'm pretty sure the, the uh, miniseries, like, when they do have that night fight, they go back to the siege and they have it, like, in the cave or whatever. Yeah. And they strip down... I don't know if they're naked in the novel, but, like, they strip down to their underwear. And it's like... It's a ceremonial um, duel. Yeah. Now... The movie is rushing the climax because they have to get get like they have to finish the movie, yeah. And so they find the fremen, and then the the challenge is made, and then they just fight there on the spot in the yeah. still suits, yeah. And there's no ceremony to it. There's no sense of culture, the fremen culture. It's just you got to kill this guy, end the movie. Yeah, it's like you. They were even with the two hour and a half hour runtime of just the first half of the first book. They still had to rush the ending. Which is yeah. not even an ending. And it's the most important part too. Yeah. And <laughs> then Zendaya literally like looks at the screen and is like, this is only the beginning. And yeah. I groaned. Yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, what uh, are you all doing? The jokes, all the jokes about... Oh, I, I this is going to be so cringe yeah. when you watch both parts back to back. I'm, I made these jokes. Why are you doing this? I made these jokes where the best part is when they look at the movie and they're like, this has been Denis Villeneuve's Dune yeah. part one. What is this? Some kind of Dune. Looks towards <laughs> the camera, like Kevin Smith style. Yeah, and like, <laughs> yeah, and like Jason Momoa <laughs> winks at the camera. Also, in terms of action, I feel like some of the big, explodey set pieces and like the Thopter flying, like the scene with the 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 Sandcrawler rescue was good, but when like Duncan is escaping, and there's like a big laser exploding all over Rakeen. I'm like, one, as I said before, they don't really establish that people live in Arakeen and this is a genocide. But also, like, he's just flipping, flying around. I'm like, why, why do... Why, I know, I've read the book. I know this character. I don't even care. Yeah. How do, how do you expect a person who's never read the books to care about what's going on when he's... Yeah, it's funny. So they don't give Duncan enough time. Yeah. And especially when you consider that he's one of the most pivotal characters in all the dune books and in like the all second the, one all the yeah. main dune books because yeah. he's the like f- in the first one he's only in a small yeah, part of it but, like, but he's very important in the, in the overall part. in the yeah. overall canon he's a huge part but it's it's not that it's like the fact that there are these big battle scenes and that's when i cared the le- the least i was more invested at the start of the movie yeah. when they're just talking yeah but this movie is Again, it's not a great adaptation and it ends up just falling into the big blockbuster action movie trap. Yeah. And it doesn't turn into a big dumb superhero movie and that's good. But it does go far enough into where there's like explosions and lots of guys like flipping around. Yeah. And like I said, the special effects are really good. Um, so it's it's not bad, but it's just like... I. F- found myself not caring it, it lacks they needed to set this up more they it set lacks up the, the soul of the book yeah like even like gurney is like running with all his soldiers and i'm like he shouldn't he at least mention the duke like where's the duke where's paul i gotta save them and then one of his soldiers is like i'll go sir or something just so you know that he's but he's just run everyone's running and yelling and there's no 
Yeah. There's no yeah. sense that this was a... And because the movie has moved so quick up until this point, and the house is empty, and you're like, well, where is everyone kind of thing? It's just... As an adaptation, well, so, it's so lacking. Wasn't Isn't there a key part where... Uh, I can't remember if it's Duncan or Thufir. Someone gets really drunk. Duncan? Yeah, no, See, Callum, that was you in the that, cinema. Yeah, that yeah. was you. <laughs> no. But, but yeah, the, yeah. So th- that was like a key part because that's part, Duncan feels like maybe a part of the problem was that he wasn't paying enough attention. That, no, that's that's part of this uh, the um, uh, traitor subplot that I yeah. mentioned earlier, where it's like, who is it? Is it Jessica? Is it yeah. is it this? And there's like people, and they're like trying to figure it out. And Duncan like gets drunk and he like barges in and he accuses Jack Jessica of being the Harkonnen spy. Yeah. And again, like that part, I, like that's in that's in none of the adaptations, and I understand why they cut that out. But again, like you lose all that political. Who is it? You know. Then you could have the Doctor UA scene where he talks about his wife, and it's not immediately clear that he's the traitor because you've yeah. got other suspects. Yeah, that's it. You know? Yeah, they don't set everyone up as like key players. Yeah, there's only like there's a, there's only really the Baron as the key player. Leto is not a particularly political guy in the, in this adaptation yeah. either. No, and you don't, and, you like don't Paul, there, There's parts in the book where you see Leto explaining some political stuff and yeah. like he moves from like place Leto to place. Leto is a great leader. Yeah, he he. It doesn't come across too much in this adaptation yeah. though. Like the bit where he he saves the sand crawler thing yeah. in in the book and in even in the lynch version and the miniseries it's like that's the because the harkonnens were so brutal that it's like that's the first time a leader has actually shown shown up shown yeah. to be caring about his men and well yeah that, he says screw the machines yeah, yeah but it kind of they gloss over it in this movie in a way it's i don't know how i would have done it differently but i would have done it differently yeah yeah also oh nitpicky 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 but Got to be said, the Fremen blue eyes not blue enough. I'm sorry, not blue enough. I remember <laughs> when I saw there was I saw a promo picture for this film and they had normal eyes and I said I said to you guys yeah. I'm like if they don't have blue eyes I'm hating it. I don't care how good it is you can't ignore yeah. the, what do they call them the eyes of um are you bad is that is that Some, it? yeah I think so you can't you can't leave it out make a Lynch's version blue as you Lynch's want. version wins the still suits wins the blue yeah, eyes like. I don't know if Denis was just trying to be different or whatever, but they're unnaturally blue. The whole point is they're unnaturally it's blue. blue. In the book, they're it's described like blue on blue. as blue upon blue. Yeah. It's supposed to... Because the spice is such a powerful yeah. substance. And they don't explain that in the movie of like spice is in everything so much that Fremen ingest it so much that it changes their physiology to, yeah. and it extends that. They mention it briefly at the start it, that, when he's watching That's something that. that I think we might get more of in the second part. Yeah, but uh, like... It should have been like, what's laced the point already. Of, what's the point of this movie yeah. if it's not setting those again, things up? Again, the problem is there's no point to this movie until we get the yeah, second. That's the whole. But even problem. when we get the second part, even if it's the best second part ever, I we feel st- like rewatching the first part, leading like as one movie, is going to be kind of boring because you're like, all right, let's get to the good stuff. Yeah, that's right. But you can't just start the second part because it's only the second half. Like you know, like it's yeah. a weird. Yeah. I don't know. Also, we talk about this a lot. We talked about it in the last few weeks. The nighttime scenes are too dark. Yeah. The way they shoot things now, too dark. Yeah. They shoot them really brightly and then they digitally dark them down. I liked it when movies shot movies in the nighttime, but they used some sort of source of lighting to simulate moonlight or some sort of 
other light source so you can still tell what's going on while it still looks like nighttime and not like they're yeah. faking it. Whereas now they just shoot it brightly and then darken it all. So it's like, look, it's realistic darkness because it's all flat and black. See, there's no light sources here. So, of course, I'm like, it's a movie. I want to see what's going on. What's the point otherwise? Yeah. <laughs> now, this is something we kind of briefly mentioned with, I think, Shang-Chi, where it's like, this is the way they make movies now with digital color grading and weird 3D what choices. Yeah. Another problem, which maybe we'll talk about in another episode, is that when they project it at the movies, the projector, like, because each movie has a different, like, brightness so that you should play it out. But when you go to the normal cinema, they're just going to chuck it on. They just push play, they walk away. So there's no real care and taken in projecting the movie, which is a problem why they're often too dark. Also, I'm pretty sure the bulbs on the projector, they want them to last longer, so they dim them. Yeah, yeah. Or at the very least, they dim themselves over time and they don't replace them until they're blown out because it costs too much money. So that's a part of it. But it's not the real problem because when you watch them on 4K at home on your HDR TV, still looks too dark. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, that's just something that's that that's more of that's more of a problem with a, a lot cinema, of modern pro- movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's something I noticed watching the movie, which m- mostly looks really nice, but it's just, yeah. I think we got through everything, surprisingly. Yeah, smashed it. Um, I'm sure there's other things, but... Yeah, like... Uh, we'll have to wait and see how we go with part two. Yeah. I'll be honest, though. I mean, this movie is good. It's far from definitive. It's it's, it's weird. It's disappointing feel, because we've only got the first half. Yeah. And the first half can only do so much. And I feel kind of dirty because when we, we always talk about movies aren't good anymore. They need to be more smart. They need to do... And then a movie like this comes out... And it's like, oh, this finally says something for us. And when it doesn't hit... It's kind of hollow. Yeah, it's like, it, it's a real shame because like, I feel like I should be loving this movie and should be praising it. And uh, there are uh, there are a lot of things about it I like. It's a good it film. Just, it doesn't but, live up. You know, it's just such a shame that we couldn't get yeah. part two in like January. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because then you They could really say, should have shot them at the same time. Yeah. That way they could have done a, a lot. Yeah. And they really needed... An, 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 at least three hours minimum. Yep. With a four-hour extended cut. Denis, listen to this episode. <laughs> Please release. Oh, this is he has a li- you know. he has a listen since the Blade Runner episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, that's still oh, salty, we're pretty much all out of time, everybody. Yeah. Uh, thank you for listening. Please like and share the Tuesday Review Facebook page, the Twitter, the Instagram. Contact us if you you know want to contact us. Yeah. Uh, Tell us, us how you felt Tend about us Dune. How you feel about Dune or any Read the book if you haven't. Yes, uh, um, it's fascinating. Shai Halud Willing, we will return <laughs> next week. <laughs> yes, <That's> <laughs> old man Willing. <laughs> All right, thanks yeah. everybody. Adios, cousins. <laughs>